Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> okay, let's go. That confession taken from Isaiah 4 and 5. The Lord confession taken from Isaiah 50 verse 4 and 5. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the Lord that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as I learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. If you were here during Sunday school, you must have heard so many promises from the God's promises. So we're going to be staying here till 5 o'clock tonight. Promises. So we're going to be here till 5 o'clock tonight. As we go through one promise after the other. If you want to sleep, sleep. When somebody wakes you up, continue with the promise. So we're going to be talking about the promises of God. And my test is actually taken from Second Peter chapter 1. One through four. I'd like to read through the scriptures, but I don't want to do that. I want to take them verse by verse so we understand what's going on here. It says, Simon Peter, a born servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Simon, Jewish name, Peter, Greek name, he's writing to y'all. Amen? Every one of us. So, this we really need to pay attention to. Now, Peter refers to himself and he had come to the pinnacle of his apostleship. It wouldn't, wouldn't take too long before he was offered. But he first wanted to be recognized as a born servant. A born servant before being sent, an apostle of the anointed one. When you become a Christian, if it's not in your heart that you have been called a servant, you don't understand. I've been called to be a servant. You don't understand Christianity. It's one thing to go to church. It's another thing to be involved. It's another thing to know your brothers and sisters in church. Because you are part of a body. You are a born servant. And you are called to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ. Around the world if possible. So he's speaking to every one of us. We have to understand that. His audience, so those who have obtained like precious faith with us. By the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. God and our Savior, same person. Jesus is God. And Jesus is the Savior. Isaiah 43 says, I, even I, I am the Savior. Before, beside me, there is no, no other Savior. There is one Savior. But he is God. He is God. And through him we obtain righteousness. You cannot be righteous outside of Christ. Don't put it on anything. Being good, going to church, shaking the preacher's hand, praying, having some testimonies. That has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with the righteousness of God that you obtained through Christ. 
But look, he called the faith that we received, obtained. Like precious faith. The faith didn't come from you. You obtained it. You were not born with it. It came from God. That faith in you as a believer, after you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, came from God. And if it came from God, it is God-like. If it came from God, it must feel and look and act like faith from God. But notice what he said. The like precious faith. Because it came from God, it is precious. It's not yours. It came from Him. God gave it to us and we were able, through faith in Jesus Christ, we were able to obtain that faith in us. And so it's precious. How many have said, I wish I had Peter's faith? When he walked on water. I wish I had Paul's faith. Like precious faith, just like the faith Peter received. Just like the faith, your faith is like the faith that Peter received, Paul received. We all have the same faith from God. So you have faith. And you have obtained faith because you believed in Jesus Christ. You have faith. The thing about faith is acting on the faith that you already have. Doing something about the faith. It's not we are going to have faith. It came from God. It was given to you. You didn't. Because God chose to give you his faith. So we need to understand that. To give you his faith. Greeting. So we need to understand that. Two. His greeting, grace and peace be multiplied, verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied. You know what that word multiplied means? To be in abundance. Abundance of grace. Abundance of peace. If you read in First Corinthians chapter two, verse uh, sixteen, I believe it says, "Come boldly, might obtain what the throne room of God, that, that you might obtain what grace, that you might obtain mercy, please, and grace to help in times of need. So obtain mercy." And grace. So every time you come before God, God's will for you and the prayer of Peter is for you to have abundance of grace. Grace is the enablement of the Holy Spirit in your life. He gives you the word and it enables you to do whatever is given to you. Even if you don't feel like it. Even if you feel like, I don't have the ability to do this. The ability, if he speaks to you and has called you, the ability is already there. You just need to step out. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. As, so we live grace, as God's divine power has given to all given to us all things that pertain to life and that pertain to godliness. The word given there means we have been bestowed. We have been bestowed with this. God has put that on us, given to us, bestowed upon us by God. Put on us as part of our lives, 
by God. Because it has been given. So you now have it on you. Whether you understand it or not, God in his mind, he has given you this. You have it. It is bestowed upon you as a child of the living God. That's have to do that pertains to life and godliness. And God's power was what made that happen. Nobody can touch it. It's been given to you. It's been put upon your life. It's always going to be there because God is eternal and God has given, spoken the truth through his word so it belongs to you. God has given us these things that pertain to life and to godliness. So life means everything that pertains to your life on earth. These are blessings. If you read first, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, he says how he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And if you read Acts chapter 3, I believe verse 5, he says, after God raised him from the dead, he sent him first to bless you. So God, through Christ, wants us blessed. Constantly blessed. We have to take that to ourselves. And here, God has bestowed upon us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And he used his godly power to make that happen. So nobody can take it from, from you. Because there is none higher. There is none greater. So God did that. Everything that pertains to life, whether it is your car, your home, your marriage, the way you feel physically, every way, it has to do with living in this life. That's why Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And that's what God has given to us. And we have to understand that. That these things are given to us. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory. This scripture says by glory. But He called us unto glory and power. Virtue. Power. His power made that happen. And has given that to us. And then he continues in verse 4. By which. In other words. Because he's done this. The form with which he's coming to us. Is in the form of promises. He did all of this. He spoken all of that. But then he says. By which have been given to us. Again, you see the word given. He's been bestowed upon us. It's part of us now. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through this you may be partakers of the divine nature. Is God kidding with us? Does he want us to really be a part of his divine nature? But see, that's been bestowed upon us. Amen? That's been bestowed upon us. Not going to, according to the scriptures, that's been bestowed upon us. So that we, through the promises, can have everything that pertains to life and to godliness through the promises. And the promises, therefore, are our inheritance. The promises are our inheritance in Christ. The things that God has given you 
with regards to life and, pro, uh, and, and godliness, can you hold them? Godliness means God is able to keep you in your righteous state that he gave to you. That's been bestowed upon you. Life and godliness. You know what to do that will please God. And you have the power, the virtue to please God if you choose to. Not whether you don't have the faith. That's the faith that was like the faith of Peter that produces. The faith of James. The faith of Paul. God has given us his like precious faith. They had it. We have it. Amen? So these are inheritance. This is, these are the things that faith has helped us to obtain. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14. It says, In him you also trusted. Just like they obtained like precious faith, we trusted in the same person, Jesus Christ. Okay? So we trusted in the same person. After you heard of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our what? Inheritance. What our inheritance? Great and precious promises. Some of it we, some of them we heard this morning. Great and precious promises. God's already put it out to us, and He's saying the promises are with you. The Holy Spirit guarantees the promises will work for you. You don't need to struggle. You don't need to add anything to it. Just stay with the promises. Amen? Because they will produce. The promises will produce. Who, verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. In other words, the promises have been guaranteed here, but there's going to be a final time when the fullness of the promises are obtained by the believers when Jesus returns. But right now, the Holy Spirit is guaranteeing every single promise. Every single promise. Because God is able to produce. Now, if a strict man gives you a promise to give you ten million dollars, you know you have no guarantee of that, right? <laughs> it's not going to come. It's going to be a miracle. You can't. You don't even have a home. But when the Holy Spirit, who is God, is guaranteeing a promise that God Himself has made, then you truly have. An inheritance. And the scripture here says it is our inheritance. And it's a good inheritance. Amen. It's a good inheritance for all believers to stand on. No matter what's going on, you know you have the promise from God. And the Holy Spirit guarantees it. Amen. You guys are awfully quiet today. So the thing really is to shout about this. If you have this great and, prom, uh, great and precious promises that God has given to us, then there is really no need to fear. And he says, it's to, to, uh, to be, let me finish this here, because I jumped into the next one, verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through this you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Okay? 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world. And to obtain his divine nature. And you know these promises have been guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. His divine nature is never afraid. Right? His divine nature is never anxious. His divine nature is never judgmental. His divine nature has no lack. Amen? His divine nature is patient. His divine nature is ever forgiving. Full of love. Through those great and precious promises. If we stay with them, we can be just like that. There were people that considered themselves Jesus' enemy. He had no enemies. He died for Pilate. Right? He had love. He forgave freely. Hold no grudges. That's his divine nature. And if you read further, Peter was saying, add to your faith, that faith that brought you these great and precious promises. He says, add to your faith temperance. All of this can be obtained by his divine nature. All of this. Meekness. Humility. Just the nature of God. If we stay with his divine nature. Nothing else matters. Fear. His divine nature has no fear. His divine nature has no lack. And we should be there. And there are promises in the scriptures. That tells us. There lack. There is fear of death. All kinds of fear. But God has made it very clear to us we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Romans 8 I believe verse 15 we did not receive the spirit of bondage again. So before you were saved, you had a spirit of bondage that will always cause you to fear when things don't go the way you suppose it, suppose it to go. But now that you are in Christ and you know you have these great and precious promises, even though those situations still seem to remain the same, you have no fear. Because you trust in the promises that is being guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. If you left something somewhere and the Holy Spirit says, go to sleep, I'll take care of it. Nobody can get his hand on it. You won't be waking up at night trying to make sure it's still there. Amen? But that's what the Holy Spirit has done for us. We have escaped the corruption that is in the world. All we have to do is to make sure we abide in Him and in His Word. That's what Jesus tells us. Today, if we abide, some people for Christianity is just like, Today, in, tomorrow, I'm so busy. Everything goes. When I go to church... Sometimes, 26 weeks in a year, that's good for God. Uh -uh. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. So that's where he's at. We have been taken away from the corruption that is in the world. That's not us anymore. When we begin to go that way, you know about that. When things get bad, they run to church. 
when things get bad, they run to church. And this time, they run to church. And this time, their faith is a little shaky. We should rejoice because God has given us great and precious promises that are being guaranteed by the Holy Spirit who is right here with us. The Holy Spirit is right here with us and He is the one that takes things from the unseen world and brings it into the natural world. As the Bible tells us, I said, Ephesians 1 verse 3, God, where we want it here. And God, the Holy Spirit, guarantees that. So the Bible tells us in Psalm 16, verse 5 and 6, O Lord, you are the portion and 6. Inherit, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. If God is your inheritance, and your cup, no matter what that thing is, Jesus talked about, are you able to drink my, the cup that I drink out of? The disciples said, yeah. But God is your cup. God says, you maintain my lot. Guarantee. You're not maintaining it. God is maintaining it. Amen. All you have to do, be a happy Christian. Christians that work with their long faces and they're eager to tell you about their problems, they stay with their problems so that they can tell other people and keep going, keep it going. Oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines are falling to me in pleasant places. Can you say that this morning? The lines are falling to me in pleasant places. God said that. And he's talking about you. Don't take yourself out of it. God is speaking to you. The lines are falling to me because you are a child of God in pleasant places. And then he says, yes. I have a good inheritance. How many have a good inheritance this morning? I see your hands down. It doesn't seem like to me you really believe that. I have a good inheritance. Does it mean I won't have to deal with troubles? No, I said, how can I have a good inheritance when I'm going through this trouble? God says you have a good inheritance. And we should rejoice in that. We have to develop confidence in the promises of God, regardless of what you're going through. I think this morning, Joy was telling us, sometimes you may not understand it at first. Sometimes it takes pressure for you to start digging and trying to understand what God is saying about this. The first thing that we need to settle in our heart, just to gain confidence, if you have to stay with that scripture, stay with that scripture over and over again. Just keep looking at it, looking at it. I was telling my daughter last night, I stayed with one scripture. I was just looking at it over, thinking about it, go back again, and, and, and stop somewhere. Something is wrong. And I try to say it out, and then I know, I said, he hangs up somewhere. Something is wrong. I can't continue. So I go back and check where I had made a mistake. And from that time on, I won't forget it. Because I found where I made my mistake. I won't forget it. Saying, but just to think about where I made my mistake. If the Holy Spirit, you get what I'm saying? But just to think about it. And see if the Holy Spirit will say something about that. But just to think about it. And see if the Holy Spirit will say something about that scripture. And if he speaks to me, he stays with me. Amen? 
The Bible tells us in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, we're talking about God's promises. It says, For all, say with me, all in Him are what? Yes. In Him are what? Yes. And in Him, Amen. It's, in other words, so shall it be. Nothing can stand in His way. No some of His promises, all of them. Why is God telling us this? Have you wondered why God has to tell us all His promises are yes? Because when things don't go the way we are expecting it to go, we immediately think maybe this particular promise is not working. In Him are yes, all of the. Not in Him are yes, Mike. Not just to Pastor Mike or Pastor Larry or Teresa. To every one of us. Not only to the bishop. For every one of us. And if God has spoken it, it is yes in Him. Right? As far as God is concerned, taken care of. That if that's the only thing you have in life. You have nobody else but that promise. That's all you have. And if that promise is failed, then I'll fail. I'll have failed. That's all. But as long as that promise is failed, then I'll fail. I'll have failed. But as long as that promise is, uh, the promise is alive and is. But as long as that promise is, uh, the promise is alive and is forever. The way I say it, that promise came from the mouth of God. It is eternal. And as long as that promise remains eternal, that promise will carry me. Amen? All the promises of God in Him, inside God, are yes. No one is denied. If you stay with the promise, the answer will be what? Yes. And in Christ, Amen. And the reason for it is for the glory of God through the promises working in us. Amen? So God wants us to know that. Merely in my life, you know, when I was struggling, I just came to the United States and I had a lot of uh, things that I didn't understand from my hometown. And I've shared this here before. I, uh, I was dealing with, because I, we did a lot of uh, pagan worship, and I didn't know anything about demons. And I thought the demons, uh, they troubled me, things moving in my chest, and I, nobody could explain it to me. I don't have that anymore. I knew how to deal with them. But I thought to myself, when I get in the plane and I leave Africa to the United States, uh, I will leave all these demons and all of them together. But what I didn't know is they didn't need ticket or visa to get on the plane, and they all came with me here. And I had to deal with them. And as I studied in the Word of God, God began to show me, God is not a man. Numbers 23 verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Again, we go back to the promises. God gave us promises. And he's telling us, I will not lie to you. I am not a man. I have all the resources available to me. And no one can stand in my way. Amen? So relax. And don't be afraid. My thing is, don't even listen to people (laughs) 
unless they are saying what you know is coming from the word. Amen? You got to have confidence in this God's word. Confidence. I think I was discussing with somebody, I don't know if it was Pastor Larry, there's a big difference between just believing and trusting. Because believing can have unbelief. Right? But when you trust and you know and you can't shake that. You just can't shake that. Even the world may be coming down all over you, you still trust. Just like Shidrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They could care less. They were not sweating. I know I will sweat when I see the fire behind me. That's the time for shaking. But these guys, I take that back. I will not sweat. (laughs) I'm in the New Testament, right? And I got faith living inside of me. I will not sweat. I am ready to go anytime. If it's God's will. Amen? God is not a man that he should lie. Nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it word good? In other words, if God gave you a promise, he will do it. He will do it. Many times, you know, when God gives you something, sometimes it's so weird. I think the best thing is not to talk too much about it to you, even if you're Christian Christian brothers. Because sometimes they'll tell you, hmm, are you sure? Are you sure that was from God? And before you know, if you follow that line, you start thinking, hmm, God, are you sure God is telling me? To, am I sure God is telling me to do this, or I'm just this is just what I want, right? At that stage, you're losing Him. I've got to prove what is what I believe is saying to me. Amen. If you fail, you learn a lesson. <laughs> so God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of Man. But this, this is the one that seals it for me. This. Because it's a testimony of those that have experienced God's promises. In First Kings chapter 8 verse 56, he says, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel. Now, The church is the Israel of God today. Amen? According to all that he promised. According to what? All that he promised. There has not failed. That was what they heard. And they've already experienced it. And they are testifying to you and to me. There has not failed One word. There has not failed one word of all his good promises. Not one word has failed. Which he promised through his servant Moses. What about the promises he promised through the apostles? What about the promises he promised through Jesus? All written in the New Testament. You can read Second Corinthians chapter eight, chapter nine, how God promised to bless us with such abundance. Not one word failed in their experience, even in the Old Testament. Not one word failed. That was Promises that were made through the blood of goats and sheep. These promises are made 
through the blood of Jesus. Not one word failed in the time. The word will not fail us today. Listen to what God said. One of his promises. Isaiah 10 verse 27. It says, It shall come to pass in that day. What day are we talking about? What day are we talking about? It shall come to pass in that day. I can immediately go to Joel's prophecy in the last days, right? It shall come to pass in the last days. Now, he's saying here, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder. From your shoulder. Satan's burden will be taken away from your shoulder. How many of you feel like there is a burden in your life this morning? This is the day for the burden to be removed. This is the day to trust God's promise. You may feel, you may not feel anything, but God has said it and that settles it. God is saying as the promise here, guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. It shall come to pass in that day. That his burden, that Satan's burden, whatever burden is putting in your life, whatever it is, whether it's financial, it's your relationship, your physical health, whatever it is, God says that burden will be taken off your shoulders. And today is that day. Now, according to Second Corinthians chapter 6, now is the accepted time. Now is the accepted time. Has not it? All that matters is what the product think means nothing. All that matters is what the promise of God says. And we are believers. And we have the same kind of faith that was in Peter. And if I have the same kind of faith that was in Paul, this must work for me. And this is not dreaming. This is coming straight from the word of God. Amen. It's coming straight from the word of God. Sometimes we may experience situations that are so difficult. What about Lazarus? Lazarus. How bad is What about Lazarus situation? How bad is your financial trouble compared to what Lazarus had to go through? And yet there was hope in Martha and Mary if you had been here. And they were willing to open the, open the grave. The woman with the issue of blood. If it's financial, Jesus is a, go to the river, cast one fish. There will be a million dollars in his mouth, not kidding. To pay for all of our bills. If I have a master like that, he's not going anywhere from me. I'm going to be around him wherever he goes. But I'm around him today. Amen? I'm around him today. It says that his burden will be taken away from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed. In other words, he's not coming back. That burden is not coming back. You had it, now you don't have it. That yoke that you, the burden that Satan has put upon your life today, I'm saying, as a servant of God, because I believe in God's word, that burden is going to be, going to be taken off your shoulder. If it's financial, it's going to be taken out of your shoulder. If it has to do with your career, it's going to be taken off your shoulder. And I'm praying to God that from tomorrow, you will start feeling that power of God coming into your life because of the anointing. He says, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing or because of the Holy Spirit. 
I've seen things these days, especially when I'm going through something uh, physical or something that concerns me. I tell God, you know, this is complex. I don't know what to, how to pray. I don't know how to pray for this. So I pray in tongues. And I've seen that one day, just maybe a week or so, my wife would testify because I was really moved by the situation. By the next day, everything had changed. Everything had changed. He's still God. He's still God. Whatever burden, whatever yoke, Jesus has said, take my yoke upon you, so the other yoke is off. Now you got a brand new yoke, a yoke of blessing. A yoke of blessing. That's what we have. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be anxious. There is a promise that says, be anxious forward. Nothing. What's the meaning of nothing? Nothing. Don't go get your dictionary to look for the meaning of nothing. Nothing. English means nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Say, yes, God. I know I will be anxious for these other things. I won't be anxious for these other things, but this one, give me permission to be anxious. God's answer would be, no. You can't do that. Be anxious for nothing, no matter what the situation is. And God means what he's saying. He's a promise that's been guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Be anxious for nothing. And if he begins, then immediately begin to pray. Amen? Immediately begin to pray before you have time for Satan to expand the problem. What are you going to do now? They are going to take your car. Your children are not going to like you anymore. And all of that. And then you keep, keep saying, you sit in there and they say, hey, uh, sit down. Tell me more. Tell me more. I'm feeling really bad. Make me feel worse. But come on, come on, come on. And you sit down there. And then you call and you say, oh, brother John. Because he's been ministering to you. But immediately go to what God says. Be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, let God know the problem. And if God has known the problem, he takes away the anxiety, he gives you peace, and then you know the matter is resolved. And you don't have to worry anymore. These promises are guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Who is here with us? I take that back. Who is here in you? He's in you. Immediately that peace will come. So how should we react? I got a lot of scriptures here, but... For you, how many of you are anointed today? Some people do. Because they are not sure. But if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are anointed. Look at what God says in Psalm 105, verse 14. It says, God... Permitted no one to do them wrong. Okay? Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones, and do not and do my prophets no harm. And he's talking about the children of Israel. Every one of those rebellious ones <laughs> in the wilderness, right? And still, God was saying, if you touch them, you're going to pay a price. What about you? Amen? 
we need to do believe that. How do should we react? Matthew 11 verse 12 tells us, And from the days of John the Baptist until when? From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers because Satan is not going to leave you alone. He's called the tempter. And he's not called the tempter for nothing. That's who he is. That's his nature. If you read the temptation of Jesus, he said, the, the, Satan tempted him after Jesus says, Be gone, be gone. And says, Satan left him for an opportune time. He's waiting for another time to come back. He never goes away. But the thing is, God is always with us whenever he shows up. God's always with us. So the Bible tells us, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The first time I read that, when I was not saying, there is fight in heaven. <laughs> always fighting in heaven. I thought it was a peaceful place. The kingdom of God, that's different. The kingdom of God is here with us right now. Amen? Suffers violence, and the violent ones take it by force. Luke 21, verse 15. What should we do with this violence coming from the enemy towards us, and we're fighting back? Jesus gave us a promise here. He says, For I will look 21 verse 15 For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. I will give you a mouth God has given everyone a mouth. Some of us are not using our mouth properly. He says, I have not going to, I will, now in our time, I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your, not some of them, that includes Satan himself, he is not going to be mouth. What resist out of your mouth? And what should be coming out of your mouth? It is written. The promises of God. He cannot resist it. That's why the Bible says, resist the devil and what? It will run from you? No. He will flee from you. Terrified. And that's what Jesus gave him every time he returned. He gave him the word. And then he changed the topic. Don't want to go there anymore. How are we to react? It says in Second Corinthians 7 verse 1, Therefore having... These promises, I can go through all of them, you read the scriptures. Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. We have escaped from the corruption of the world. That's not who we are anymore. We abide in Christ. Let us cleanse ourselves. Who is to do the cleansing? You have to take responsibility. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Notice the word spirit is not capitalized. That's your born again spirit. Your born again spirit. We cleanse ourselves from that. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. This is a very important part before I close. 
two things. Hebrews 6 verse 12. That you do not become slow. In other words, when God's timing hasn't come, people tend to give up slowly. They still go to church. But they are not sure anymore. And when they are not sure anymore, guess what comes in? Fear. And then all these imagined customs, where the Bible says, for us to cast them down. But you are not able to do that anymore. And Satan gets his way. That you, be, you, become, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through what? Faith and patience. Faith and patience. You got to endure. You are not the only one going through something. There are others going through worse things than you are going through. And they are still trusting God. They are still praising God. Why do you change your tongue? Why are you afraid? That's what Jesus will ask. Why are you so afraid? We don't want to go there. Tell yourself today, no matter what's happening in my life, even if my finances are going upside down, my marriage is going upside down, I don't know what to do, how can I fix it? You can't fix it. You can't. Why don't you leave leave the problem in the hands of God, trust in His promises, and rest? So that when God has come through, the testimony gives glory to Him. Amen? Because He did it. Amen. Another thing that you need to have is your confidence in God. Because the Holy Spirit has guaranteed the promises. Why? Because things may come into your life that don't make sense. God said, I allowed you to go around the wilderness for this many years to prove you, to see what is in your heart. And his purpose He wants you to depend on God's word. That man does not live by bread alone. Depend on God's word and God's word alone. Nothing else. Nothing else. And if you do that, then he's he's found a friend. You are like Abraham to him. And then he can walk through it. Not during the process. After the process, God says, now I know. You trust my promises. Amen? Therefore, Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, Therefore do not cast away your confidence. It's supposed them to go. Why do you want to cast it? Because things are not going the way you suppose them to go. So you are almost losing confidence in God. Because of this, because of that, because of something else, something somebody said to you, something they tell you about a man's experience, and all of I've often said this, I would never take one man's experience, line it with the Word of God, and because his experience doesn't line up with the Word of God, then I say, well, I don't think that's what the Word of God is. I'm not doing that. No man is, can be lifted to that height where you are equal to the word of God, right? That's his experience or her experience. But all I have to trust because what will judge me in the last day is coming from this book. All I have to do is to trust this book. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence which has great reward. Your confidence has what? Great reward. For you have, no, you have need of endurance. You see, that's the, where the problem is. You have need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. 
Last word, never quit. Never quit. And God's with you. Stand up with me this morning. I, uh, when you take the word of God, literally, uh, you take the word of God. There was literally, when I was uh, his son, there was a story I heard when I was a new Christian. This guy, I guess I've told it here before, he was totally blind. And they prayed for him, taught him well. And uh, after the meeting was ended and, and, and they prayed for him, he was still very blind. But he believed that the promise of God is true. And he was going to believe the word. So he started telling everybody, God has healed my eyes. And everybody was looking at him like, they went to a bad nurse. You're crazy, you're as blind as they come. And one day he went to a barber shop, and after a while, he decided to boast again in his God. He said, he was sitting down, the barber was behind him, and uh, he had been telling the barber the same story over and over again, that God has healed him. This was time had passed. God has healed my eyes. God has healed my eyes. And this day he started talking about it again. The Baba got tired of listening to it. And Baba said, Sir, please, I'm tired of hearing this thing. You are as blind as a goose. You are blind. To his eyes. I can see. Guess what? At that instant, his eyes got open. He ran out of the Baba shop with part of his hair cut. <laughs> Rejoice. Amen. Cut. <laughs> Rejoice. Amen. What? <laughs> Rejoice. Amen. We never give up. Is there anyone here today that don't know Christ as Lord and Savior? You haven't accepted Him? There is no better life to live. My life will testify to that. It's been many years now. There is no other way to live this life and enjoy it than to love Jesus and to pray for you this morning so you can receive Him, your Lord and Savior. And you want me to pray for you this morning so you can receive Him, get to know Him, talk to Him, He talk back to you. Will you put your hand up quickly? Anybody here? Okay, now, would you do something for me? I want you to profusely thank God for His promises. Especially the promises that you know concern what you're dealing with. Now, uh, from the days of John the Baptist... The kingdom of God suffers. I mean, gentle man doesn't work. Satan doesn't work with gentle people. I mean, gentle man doesn't work. You got to fight back. Amen? So, let's speak out today before we close. Okay? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you. Blessed Spirit of the living God. We thank you. I thank you because I have victory. I thank you for your promise in in Psalm 30, verse 1 and 2. I thank you for your promise in Isaiah 54. I thank you for your promise in Isaiah 53. I thank you for your promise in Matthew chapter 8. See the word, a yes, and in you that say amen. I thank you into your word, a yes, and in you that say amen. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for your promise in Psalm 23. I thank you for your great promises. I thank you.
Lord, I can partake of, of your divine nature and live a life for God that is productive, that is beautiful before your eyes. I thank you today. Thank you today. Thank you for the grace to be able to do the work of God. Thank you for this family. Thank you. Thank you for my... Thank you for this family, the Ark Fellowship. Thank you for the ministers that you brought in here. Thank you because your hand is upon them for good. I thank you for every individual that's a part of this congregation, whether they're here or not. I ask your blessings upon their lives that they would know your promises and live by your promises. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, louder, amen. Amen. So shall it be. God bless you.